You know, while Wall Street right now is currently talking about the dip and how investors are buying the dip right now, and they're also talking about how there have been people the last few years who have been investing that they said it was the easiest time for them to invest to make money. Now we get to see the flip side of everything. And it's funny how Wall Street is focusing on the dip that's currently happening in Wall Street. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you see this as a huge buying opportunity, you would take advantage of it. I mean, as the saying goes, as there's blood in the streets, that's when you should be buying. And there's right now in Wall Street, there tends to be a lot of blood in the streets right now, at least when it comes to the stock market, not real blood, obviously. But it's interesting to see how what Wall Street's currently focusing on, at least when you are watching CNBC currently right now. But there are some other things that have been that are slowly picking up steam. Not 100%, but it is, it is something to keep an eye out for. Some articles that we will be talking about today. Avatar re-releases shows franchises overseas strength while pulling in 10 million domestically. That's kind of a big deal. We'll also be talking about Walmart. Walmart is the next company that's entering the metaverse as well. And I have some thoughts and opinions of what Walmart could do to potentially gain more traction as a company going forward. Then there is some news from the IRS. The IRS steps up effort to target U.S. taxpayer who failed to report and pay tax on cryptocurrency transactions. Okay, we are going to report cryptocurrencies because they are part of the market going forward in our economy, at least in my opinion. Also, on today, there's a huge announcement. Brent crude slides below $85 a barrel as dollar surges. This is going to get things a little bit interesting in the oil markets. And finally, this is big news too that was reported on yesterday. India has a big role to play. New Delhi is trying to turn the country into a chip powerhouse. The chip wars are going to continue to get interesting the more we study them or talk about them here on this podcast. But like I have to mention before at the beginning of each podcast, I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is for information purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing in any company as you're not guaranteed to make any money in the stock market when you invest. I currently do have a long position in Disney stock because I believe the company might be able to turn things around in the future. This is not financial advice in any way, shape, or form. Please go talk to your own professional advisor before investing as they would understand your situation a lot more than I could. I cannot legally give you any financial advice. With that, let's begin today's podcast. Avatar re-releases shows franchise overseas strength while pulling in 10 million domestically. Disney is expected to snare 30 million in ticket sales globally from its theoretical release of 2009 Avatar. While domestic ticket sales, which will reach 10 million according to projections, are in line with analysis projections, it is the international tally of 20 million that has the box office analysis buzzing. The re-release of the 20th Century Studio film come to be viewed as some sort of litmus test for whether audiences still want to visit the eco-consensus science fiction world created by James Cameron. Avatar The Way of Water, the first of four sequels of the original film, is slated for release in December. This weekend results are solid given the film's exclusive play in 3D and showed bold well for a sequel, far more significant release in December, said Sean Robbins, chief media analysis at boxoffice.com. There's clearly still audience interest for Avatar. Box Office's analysis agreed for seeing Sunday's projected figures. However, it's still up in the air as to whether the that interest will translate to ticket sales in December, particularly in the 3D showings. There are still questions to be answered, though Robin said we can't confidentially say the audience turnout here provided enough for a litmus test and exec- 
exclusive 3D rollouts, given how re-releases in general have performed in recent years. Robbins noted that it may be important for Disney to offer a variety of screen options, including 2D on premium screens like IMAX, along with its push for 3D. While there are small windows in the wake of the Avatar's first release where audiences gravitated heavily towards 3D showing that it's waned in the last decade. This won't be as much of an issue internationally, however. 3D has remained exceptionally popular in foreign markets, especially in China. And it's important to remember that Avatar made the bulk of its money outside the U.S. a whopping 2.08 billion. Generating double the amount of ticket sales internationally compared to domestic tallies signals that the audience audiences that bolster Avatar to the top of the box office charts will likely return for the way of water. Impressively, there's still great audiences' interest in Avatar franchises on the big screen, said Paul, senior media analysis at Comscore. The 20.5 million earned this weekend internationally makes a strong case for the potential for a massive debut for the new film around the world in December. My opinion, out of the remaining four films, we've talked about the remaining four films on this channel that are going out for the rest of the year for 2022. Avatar will probably be the biggest one. My opinion, not financial advice, obviously. The only reason I think Avatar will be that way is because Avatar is at least going to be somewhat of a storyline. James Cameron made the script for these movies way earlier. I think believe I think it was before 2009. So the scripts are already in place. And hopefully he didn't change much of the script, but James Cameron is a masterful storyteller. And Avatar could be a catalyst that's needed in the movie industry to get things back on track. There's been a lot of terrible movies released recently in general, at least from what we've talked about on this podcast. And it seems like maybe Avatar would be the movie to turn things around in general for the movie industry. We're going to keep an eye out for Avatar. But like I said, I think Avatar is, I don't think Avatar is going to be able to smash records like they did last time. I think Avatar will do really well in the box office, but how they do overall is still yet to be seen. Get a better feel, especially if we can, go down and sit down and watch the movie and then we get an idea of what's potentially going to happen to avatar but disney is probably going to make some decent chunk of change from this movie being re-released and then the movie being released in december so keep an eye out for disney even though disney's currently in some hot water like we've spoken about in the past walmart enters the metaverse with roblox experiences and meta younger shoppers now this is interesting we recently spoke about how lowe's was getting into the metaverse which i could understand because in the metaverse you can at least build the building that you wanting to see what it looked like in the real world and there was some applications there but now walmart's entering the metaverse this thing makes things a little bit more interesting it says here from CNBC, Walmart is entering the metaverse with two experiences premiering Monday on an online gaming platform, Roblox. The retail giant's first foray in the virtual world will feature a blimp and drop toys, a music festival with hot artists, a bunch of different games, and a store of virtual merchandise, or Virch, which matches what customers may find in Walmart stores that it's on its website. The two experiences are called Walmart Land and Walmart's Universe of Play. Walmart is experimenting with new ways to reach shoppers, particularly after seeing the pandemic shake up shopping habits and fuel customers' engagement with social media apps and gaming websites. The big box retailer has hosted shoppable live stream events on TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. It has created meal recipes through a partnership with Murdith, a media the media company that owns uh, Aller. All receipts, parents, and better homes and gardens. It has also rolled an augment reality power tool on Pinterest that allows shoppers to see how funer- 
production to see how furniture or decor will look in their homes. Roblox will serve as a testing ground for Walmart as it considers moves in the metaverse and beyond, said William White, Walmart chief marketing officer. He said that the experience are designed with the next generation of shoppers in mind, particular Gen Z, gen generally defined as around age 25 or younger. White said the company is looking to learn from the partnership. Quote, how we are driving relevance in a culture conversation. How are we developing community engagement? How are we moving the needle from a brand favorability standpoint with younger audiences, he said. That's what we're trying to accomplish here. Walmart quietly filed for metaverse-related trademark earlier this year. Some of the trademarks indicated interest in making or selling virtual goods and offering users virtual currency as well as non-fungal tokens or NFTs. White declined to share if or how Walmart will use those trademarks. For now, he said Walmart won't make money from its immersed experience. Gamers can earn tokens and other rewards to put toward virtual merchandise on Roblox. National brands such as Toy Label LOL Surprise and Skull Candy headphones are included in the experience based on popularity with Roblox audiences of or gamers, a correction of gamers, not based on paying, he said. Walmart could make money from its in the future, however, by changing a brand for inclusion or trying to turn people's virtual experience into real 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 world store visits or online purchases, White said. You know, I was gonna say that too. I think Walmart, if they take advantage of this, especially if they're using Roblox as their their help as well, I think Walmart needs to do what they can to make the shopping experience in the metaverse enjoyable for people. Think about it. You could potentially get people, if you have them shopping in the metaverse in general, you could probably get them to shop in your actual stores if they enjoy the experience and if they're able to find the products or services. What also makes it interesting too, I believe I had said this with Lowe's as well. If you can do this, this would be this would change the e-commerce game potentially. If they were able to actually go into a store and buy an item, there should be an option when you're grabbing the item in the virtual world. It should also say, do you want to buy this item in real life or something along those lines, right? Just think about it. If you're if you're trying to build a home, like in the Lowe's virtual reality world, right? It would make sense that you would also want to try to like buy the products eventually, right? Or maybe you keep a tally of what people are buying in their virtual shopping cart. And then if the person enters the virtual reality world, you can just say, hey, like we noticed these are in your shopping cart. Do you still want to buy them? Like I said, I believe it can work for Lowe's. Like you can build an entire project on the metaverse to see how you want a house build or to see how you want like your patio built and all that stuff, right? And then you could probably just say, okay, these are all the products I use to build it in the metaverse. I want to get in real life now. And they could easily just ship it to you. The metaverse could think make the world a little bit more, I guess, more analytical in a way, because then companies might have an idea of what people are doing a lot faster, at least project-based wise, right? So this could get really interesting. Now, how Walmart could do it, I'm not 100% sure. I mean, Walmart, they do sell a lot more food, obviously, and you don't need to eat food as much in the metaverse. But it's still food for thought because you can get other stuff at Walmart that you might be able to incorporate in the real world into the metaverse as well. So it's going to get interesting to see how this is going to work out. What I did find interesting, though, says Roblox drew many new users during the COVID pandemic and debuted on the stock market last year. The gaming platform grew from 32.6 million daily active users in 2020 to more than 52 million, according to the company. It was historically drawn to more younger kids and teens, but the company has said it has been attracting users across the wider 
age range, which means a lot of people are getting into gaming and the gaming industry might be the next thing that's going to be growing and going into the metaverse might be a smart move for Walmart at the, at this time. So we're going to continue on. It's good. Pay attention to Walmart and the metaverse guys. Metaverse might be big, but it also might not. Metaverse is a little tricky currently right now to figure that out. Continuing on, the IRS steps up efforts to target U.S. taxpayer who failed to report and pay taxes on cryptocurrency transactions. The IRS continues to chase U.S. taxpayers who failed to report and pay taxes on cryptocurrency transactions in the new court order allowing a summons for customer records. The agency will issue a so-called John Doe summons requiring MY Safari Bank to turn over crypto transaction data for SFOX, a digital currency prime broker that is used the bank with more than 175,000 users and, and over 12 billion in transactions since 2015, according to the U.S. Department of Justice. It's not the first IRS summon for crypto records, but it is unusual because the broker seems to be quite small, signaling the possibility of more to come, said Andrew Gordon, tax attorney, CPA, and president of Gordon Law Group in Stokey, Illinois. The IRS indicated this at a very high priority for them, Gordon added. While the first summons for crypto tax records triggered IRS letters for unreported income and unpaid taxes, the response took a few years, said Matt Metras, an enrolled agent and cryptocurrency tax specialist at MDM Financial Services in Rochester, New York. Quote, I'm curious to see what happens with all the data they're collecting, said Metras, noting that the IRS may try to match it with investors' tax return. You know, cryptocurrency, I mean... The game's up. I mean, for the longest time, people were able to not pay taxes on cryptocurrency, and now they're going to have to. I mean, they even say in the article from CNBC that regardless of which companies report activity, IRS experts say crypto investors must be proactive. If you haven't reported cryptocurrency income in the past tax returns, you should speak with your tax professional with digital currency expertise. And then you have to file an amendment and then let the IRS audit um, then to let the IRS audit you. I mean, no one wants the IRS auditing them, especially now since they hired the extra 87,000 IRS agents. Now, granted, those IRS agents are supposed to be going after the nonprofit organizations more, but in reality, they're probably going to be targeting a lot of smaller tax brackets people because those are the easy ones potentially to be getting. I mean, I mean, since 2019, there has been a question on the virtual currency on the front page of the tax returns after filers disclosed their taxable crypto activity, according to CNBC, which is true. If you ever looked at your tax returns, you will see it says, do you own crypto? Do have you? And I don't remember what the full question is, but there is something about crypto on there. I mean, game's up. You're going to have to pay taxes on crypto, which is kind of ironic because I thought the whole purpose of crypto was to get away from the U.S. dollar in general. But government will do what it needs to to make money every time. So now for the important one, what has to do with oil. Brent crude oil slides below $85 a barrel as dollar surges. Brent crude fell below $85 a barrel Monday as recession fears weighed and the U.S. dollar surged. Brent futures for November settlement shed 2.1% to trade at $84.32 per barrel around 1.20 p.m. on Wall Street. West Texas immediate futures fell 2.3% to trade at $76.97 per barrel, a price not seen in early January. The U.S. dollar surged to a high not seen since 2002, Monday while sterling tumbled to a record low against the currency. On Friday, both Brent and WTI futures fell around 5%. The drop in oil prices is a macro move led by a strong dollar, which is triggering fears of a recession, according to uh Emerita, Senator, co-founder, director of research at Energy Aspects. The surge against other currencies means dollars 
uh, uh, denominated assets such as oil have grown more expensive for investors holding forward currencies and weight on futures pricings. According to John Morley, Associate Editor Director for EMEA Crude and the Fuel and the fuel oil at S&P Global. It comes as central banks around the world, including the U.S. and the U.K., continue to hike interest rates in an effort to tackle inflation. Investment bank Saxo strategy, strategy team said the market sentiment has continued to deteriorate. Quote, the underlenting pressure of the commodities, including crude oil, continues following Friday's gloomy sessions, which saw accelerated dollar strength and growth uh, pessimism caused a ripple through the market. WTI traded below $80 a barrel while a return in the mid 80s and Brent may soon see OPEC action to support prices, he said. As Russia warned it would not supply commodities to nations agreeing to cap the price for its crude, the market anticipates a recession. The energy sector could be the first to find support once the dollar stabilizes. Fears around the economy slowdown continue to mount with Steve Hankey, professor of applied economics at Johns Hopkins University, putting a chances of the U.S. will fall into recession at 80%. Yeah, I think oil's still going to be going up like crazy. It's going to be a fun, fun time if that happens, especially if a recession does happen. But a lot of countries are tightening their interest rates and raising them, except for Turkey. If you're Turkey, you're obviously lowering your lowering your interest rates, and uh, you're going to look at buying cheap oil from Russia instead. We reported that in a past podcast. I'd highly advise listening to that past podcast to be able to know more details on that, but. It's just weird to think that oil is now dropping, especially after today. I mean, the market is dropping overall, but I mean, does that mean does that mean my gas, the gas in my pump is finally going to go down a little bit? I mean, these are serious questions I really want to know. But we'll find out soon. But I mean, there's only so much the Federal Reserve can do right now to avoid a recession. I mean, no matter what they do, it seems like there's a recession coming, especially if they believe it's an 80% chance. Now, granted, I don't always believe the professionals in a way. What will determine it for me is if I see more layoffs happening, which we have talked about in the past. So, but it is something to keep an eye out for because crude oil is falling today. Last thing we'll talk about, it has to do with India. We we recently spoke in the last podcast that Nations, or not in last podcast, maybe a podcast or two ago, nations are starting to form alliances to take on China because China is becoming this powerhouse in chip making, it sounds like. Sounds like now India is going to take charge and this is going to make the chip industry become even more political across, like we're, we're not looking at a nation political issue. We might see a world issue potentially says, India has a big role to play. New Delhi is trying to turn the country into a chip powerhouse. India could have a large role to play in the semiconductor industry, analysis said, as the world's fifth largest economy looks to boost its domestic chip sector. Along with other countries like the U.S., India has been looking to forge strategic alliances around semiconductors, a critical technology that goes into many devices we use from smartphones to refrigerators. But India has been making moves to bring the manufacturing of chips to the country and has laid out incentives for the industry. Quote, I think India has a crucial role to play. Chairperson of the high-tech uh, geopolitics program at the uh, Taksha Shila Institution told CNBC Beyond the Valley podcast published last week. And then India tries to woo giants. The issue for many countries looking to boost their chip-making 
uh, prowess is that companies and countries that dominate the industry are few and far between. For example, Taiwan and South Korea make up 80% of the global foundry market. Foundries are fa facilities and manufactured chips that other companies design. India has typically not been a mix of the top countries for semiconductors, for there aren't many giant Indian chip firms and certainly no leading edge manufacturing companies. While India might have might not have the native semiconductor firms, it its play under the government of prime minister relies on re trying to attract foreign giants. In December, India greenlight a 10 billion incentive play, uh, correction, incentive plan for the semiconductor industry. Therefore, New Delhi strategy would be twofold: lure in foreign companies and build on areas where India has an advantage. India's strength, the large amount of capital required, the time it takes to set up factories and uncertainty over the business, tax and trade environment has often put companies off setting up in India. Previous attempts in India failed because apprehensions on these counts. However, there are signs that things are changing. The track record has not been great, but the new government has been heading in the right direction with policies to drive um, impetus and attracting leading semi and fab companies partner at tech consultant counterpart research told CNBC. India has a number of strengths which could back up its bid to the global chip making hub. India's strength is huge domestic consumption market when it comes to semiconductors, being with the second largest uh, populous economy in the world. Analysis also have been incentive plans will keep. Also, India has loads of English speakers, engineering talent, and a cheaper labor force, making it cost effective from Shea, which he added. The well-educated cheap labor force could help India in a specific area of the semiconductor supply chain, chip design, an area that requires a large number of skilled workers. Quote, I have no doubt that India has a big role to play. You know, this make things really, really interesting. The United States is trying to get the chips back to the United States. India is now trying to become a chip maker giant, okay? What terrifies me potentially of India having it is just being right next to the Chinese border, okay? Literally, those two countries, you're either looking at a lot of issues going forward. Not only that, okay, we currently have sanctions on Russia just to not get their oil. And we've, I think we've denied chips from them too. What becomes interesting is if India becomes a chip manufacturer, that means Russia and India, they don't need to worry about sanctions from the United States as much anymore. In all seriousness, this is something that just 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 give me a moment to, to talk about this. China, China and Russia are coming closer together. They're kind of becoming more buddy buddy since the sanctions got put on Russia. Then the United States says, "Oh, China, you can't have any chips as much because they're trying to avoid getting the chips that the Chinese military would use for military." Obviously, the car ones are a little different, but then you have India. Okay. Who's to say India, if let's say India does become this big chip maker in the making, India can then ship its chips to Russia, which then Russia can resell to China. And then it's like all these sanctions we're putting on Russia and China, they just mean absolutely nothing. Because then you got Russia selling oil to China. Then you have China who's selling oil to Europe. But then China says, hey, thanks for the oil. Can we get some chips from you as well? Because then China will just turn to Russia especially since India and Russia are like buddy buddies because India doesn't want to be caught in the, in the middle of, or at least not caught on China's good or bad side. They want to stay on China's good side. And so they're butting up with Russia. The chip play for the next few years, because we keep talking about in this podcast, my opinion, 
This is going to be a huge geopolitical issue. I personally would not be surprised if the next upcoming election in the United States, if the chip manufacturing isn't done fast enough, and then if there becomes another crisis in the chip manufacturing world, if it's not a policy that's brought up in all seriousness, chips are needed for a lot of things. We need the chips in the United States. Everyone needs some type of chips in the world. And when most of the chips are focused in the Asian area, like South Korea and Taiwan, and it's near China, now you got India who's on the rise, there might be conflict in the future in the Asian area. Not saying there is a war coming, just an observation. Don't know how markets will react to that, but I just believe the chip chip makers in the making, there's going to be a lot of political stuff happening around those companies soon. So we're going to keep an eye out for that. With that being said, fellow podcasters, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast as every like and subscription we get can help grow this podcast channel so we will be able to keep talking about events that are happening on Wall Street or that Wall Street isn't willing to talk about all the time. Please also share with friends or family as they might enjoy these videos as well or this podcast as well so that we can be able to continue to grow. Hope you have enjoyed your day. Thank you and goodbye.